right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's great to see you. I'm glad that you made it. Listen, if you're going to be uh, a cybersecurity practitioner, whether it's offensive, defensive, doesn't matter. It helps to understand what your network looks like, where the endpoints are, what protocols are in place, what's coming, what's going. And, you know, it goes well beyond asset management, but it's vitally important. And this is at the heart of what cyber cartography is. Now, it's a role per se, and we're going to get into it with our expert, Ricky Tan, today, who does a million things. I am so, so excited to have him. But we're going to get into it. We're going to understand it at a deeper level today and give you some interesting takeaways on ways that you might be able to look forward, you know, as a potential uh, avenue and position uh, or things that can help complement your existing skill set and help you do your job better. Now, really quick before we get into it, I just want to like set the stage for how amazing Ricky is. Guy's got a million cybersecurity certifications, including a couple uh, or a bunch of GIAC ones, uh, intrusion analyst specialty, uh, incident handler. So he's he's got a lot of that blue side experience. He was uh, military trained, so we're going to hear a little bit about that today. He's an entrepreneur, so he's, he's you know hustling and understands all that world. He's a cyber cartographer, obviously, and he is an amazing YouTube content creator. Listen, I know a thing or two about creating content on YouTube, and he's got uh, a video with over 1.5 million views on the top five skills to get into cybersecurity. Very, very inspiring. So I'm so excited to talk to Ricky, and I hope you guys are too. Now, before we get into it, um, I want to thank you, obviously. We're going to be having a raffle today for a six-month Try Hack Me subscription. So you're going to want to stick around with that. The sound effects are working, so I hate to uh, let some of you down with my manual sound effects. If you do have a question and you're new here, you don't know the protocol, drop a cue in front of the question in chat so I know that it's for me or for Ricky, and I will be able to facilitate that conversation. All right, guys, I'm looking forward to it. Let's bring in Ricky. Ricky. Hey guys. Ricky, hold on. There we go. My I'm sorry, man. My I don't know if it if it glitched for you guys, but like I'm clicking the button and nothing's happening. This is what happens with software-based uh, uh production panels. How are you, Ricky? Good, doing great. How are you? Yeah. I'm excellent, man. Now that we got that little uh production snafu out of the way. Um, so yeah, I I appreciate you being here. I said a whole bunch of amazing stuff about you. I'm sure we're gonna touch on all of it. But before we get into it, since the whole point of this episode is cyber cartography, and it's a term that really no one is using, at least in the circles I run around in, and I love cybersecurity, can you can you break it down and, and start with what is cyber cartography, and then let's start peeling the onion back on it? Yeah, for sure. Um, and Ger Gerald, just thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I served in the military doing a lot of cyber operations work. Most of my time was spent in network reconnaissance and analysis. I worked both on the offense and defensive side of things. Now, I really won't get into the nitty gritty of what happened there, um, but cyber cartography, you think about it, it's no different than uh, that in the physical world. Whether it's land, air, sea, space, it's all really intuitive, right? You can just like see it in your head. But when it comes to our networks, the only way we can see it is really in our heads. Uh, you know, you have to look at a dashboard or a command line with the matrix printed all over it. And then you have to be, do some training and learn how to read technical 
you know, language to be able to understand where what's there, what's talking to each other. But people could but people collaborate visually. So when you're doing something really high stakes, maybe you're on somebody else's network and you shouldn't be there, or you're defending your own, you've really got to know what's around you, how everything is connected. And somebody's got to do that job. Uh, it's kind of painful, uh, but super valuable. You know, if you look back in history, right, Napoleon, he had a treasure chest full of maps that always traveled with him. And they were some of his most prized possessions. You know, it was super useful for planning and battle decisions. And in the early days of America, you know, people didn't know how big it was. And when the French sold the Louisiana territories to USA, it turned out to be almost a third of the country. So Jefferson, the president at the time, he commissioned the Lewis and Clark expedition to establish a presence, you know, in those new territories before the Europeans could get there. So there was a lot of geographic cartography involved. A lot of mapping, sketches, documenting plant and animal life. And they went all the way from Ohio to Oregon and back in about three years. Now, on a network, it doesn't take three years to map out. Well, depends on how complicated your network is. Um, but that's, in a nutshell, kind of uh, what cartography is. Now, when it comes to actually the technical side of things, um, it's not as simple as just running in-map, right? Because you have to understand there's many layers to a network. There's their physical layers, like where are things physically in my facility? How are they cabled up, right? You got your cable diagrams. Okay, next layer up, how, where are the data flows happening, right? If you think of all your switch topologies, right? What about the routing topologies? Where are my routers? How are packets being forwarded in a network? If you have any VPN tunnels, if you have any uh, malicious tunnels like SSH or DNS or some malware's tunneling traffic, right through your network that's a very different map than your your cable diagram and okay. then also a lot, all the protocols that are actually flowing on the network um, those also have their own uh, conversations I, I think I, I wrote a sans paper like a year or two ago uh, talking about using something like Multigo to graph out all of those protocol flows uh, from zclogs and it makes it just so much easier to figure out uh, what's happening because visual patterns drive human intuition and it's so much easier to spot anomalies and come up with hypotheses when you can actually interact with a picture of the problem mm -hmm. and communicate that to somebody else. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, John Strand's Rita tool where you, you know, it's easy to see beaconing like a, a C2 beaconing agent on a, on a victim computer visually but if you were just looking at logs, it wouldn't it wouldn't be so obvious. Now, one thing that you said was it, it's incredibly painful to do this work. Can can you elaborate? Like, why why is it so painful? Yeah, uh, part of the reason why anything's painful in uh, cybersecurity, you know, the fact that you have to be in a dark room that's air conditioned and you don't get enough vitamin D, uh, first world problems, <laughs> is that uh, you, you might not have the tools right, to automate things and to do it at scale. And so carpal tunnel is a real thing. If you type too much the wrong way or you click the wrong way, you know, those repetitive tasks, like nobody's going to manually try to uh, process, you know, gigabytes of logs, right, a single line at a time in rows in a spreadsheet. That's why we write tools and scripts to, to automate that. But when mm -hmm. it comes to, to mapping things, there, there, there really isn't any good way to do it other than in uh, diagramming software or Visio or PowerPoint. And so you might spend, you know, a dozen or so clicks just to 
position something correctly. And if suddenly new assets pop up on the network, then you got to rearrange everything else. Uh, it's it's kind of a it's it's not it's not easy to actually um, produce the map because the network's changing all the time. It's not like uh, you're you're a geographer, you know the the world the Earth doesn't change that much, you know, yeah. in the span of a, a year. Yeah, I mean it, it it is a really interesting point, uh, and for those who haven't worked in the industry much. Uh, you know, you're expected to keep up-to-date diagrams. Mostly the networking team is kind of responsible for doing that. But if you've ever worked anywhere, you know, you ask for a network diagram and it's got like a, a timestamp from, you know, more than six months ago. And it's at, it's, it's at only one of the levels that Ricky mentioned, right? It's, it's just the wiring diagram or it's just the data flows. And even that, it's just the big pieces, right? The big routers. It's none of this, none of this extra additional stuff. So, I mean... I guess I, my question is like, is cyber cartography essentially a role um, unto itself? Because usually managing those network diagrams at any layer is an additional responsibility that's kind of outside the scope of the main function of a network engineer, for example. Yeah, so far I've only seen it be, um, unless you're in a very large team, a well-resourced team, like if you're in a military uh, or intelligence organization, you might have analysts whose sole job is to keep your maps up to date. And mm -hmm. that's what people did in the old days uh, before Google Maps is you had cartographers <laughs> go around and keep up to date sketches of, of the battlefield. And that, that's what people uh, did to, to fight battles, right, in, in the old days. And now it's more of a, a role or a, that role is more of a function or a skill that mm -hmm. some people just have to do. Like if you're, if you're a pen tester, you know, maybe raise your hand if you ever done the whole napkin sketching thing where you're running your in map and you start, you know, drawing out on a piece of paper and then you eventually go to the whiteboard. And in cybersecurity, we, we love whiteboards, right? Mm -hmm. Because it helps us offload what's in our brain somewhere else. So we, because we only have so much working memory uh, at any moment to, to think through problems and having a picture somewhere where we can go back and reference to is super helpful. Um, and, and so drawing on whiteboards, uh, if anybody's had their whiteboard erased or if they had to redraw something, you know, we all, we all know that pain. Yeah, exactly. And if you find something else, all of a sudden, like all your endpoints are like, you know, two inches wide. And then all of a sudden you start squeezing in like quarter inch wide ones, because there's a whole bunch more that you didn't know about. Uh, it's so frustrating. So, so when you, I guess what, I mean, what tools are like, how, how, how are people who you know do it, you know, albeit a, a smaller group of people worldwide that do this job, like, it, are we are we fools because we're using uh, Visio uh, to do this, and and you know, obviously not keeping it up to date. Like, what what kind of tools? What kind of techniques? I mean, is there automation involved? Yeah, uh, a lot of it is is um, custom tooling because Visio only gets you so far and uh, something like uh, any, any diagramming tool. So there's a lot of uh, scripting and, and coding involved that if you want trying to ingest data and turn that into something that's intelligible or helps automate some of the heavy lifting and then you maybe you spit out you know, the, an asset, the asset information that you hand to someone to, to add to the master uh, map, some, you know? And so mm -hmm. it, I, there really isn't any good tool out there um, that, that can, there's like link analysis tools like Multigo that can help 
Um, there's lucid charts, glyphy, um, mm -hmm. drawing by hand. It's, it's, that's the problem really. Um, yeah. Well, and keeping it up to date again, I really feel like anything that is kind of, uh, an additional responsibility outside the main, you know, what, what you think is your main focus, your main responsibility will always be kind of dashed to the side or pushed to the back burner and, you know, maybe annually updated. And I, I would think in cyber cartography that you would need to keep your, what's the frequency of updates? Like what, what cadence are you doing with these, with these networks diagrams, or I don't even know if you call them diagrams. Yeah. I mean, your, your maps, uh, if you can do it once a week, that's amazing. Uh, because there's just, there's just a lot. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, if most people, they don't even have a map, right? So just having it in the first place, even if it's not up to date is pretty helpful and mm -hmm. having it, uh, so you go through and regularly just make sure that things align to what your software is saying and, and tells you, like you check with what your, uh, maybe you have, uh, some asset inventory software, maybe you have, some kind of a, uh, you know, your, your, your scripts that are going and pulling uh, devices that are on the network and their IP addresses and their information, and you dump that somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. And then you go back in your map and say, hey, is everything up to date? When you look at something like Log4Shell, Log4J, it really shows us how little visibility we have in, into our networks. You know, maybe you have an asset inventory right, of all the software and hardware out there. And if you're really high speed, maybe you even have a bill of materials for all the libraries that are running on your network. But how do you actually do planning and make decisions just off an inventory, right? You really need context and to see how things are arranged and arrayed out. If you're doing uh, defense, whether you're monitoring or security architecture, you don't have that map with spatial context. It's really hard to know what some IP or MAC address corresponds to when you're looking at it in your SIM, right? Like forget AI, ML, negative 10 day defense. Like what are we really doing to empower the human, right? By innovating on the interface that we're using to make decisions, right? We spend so much time just reading logs and building tools to process the lo those logs into other logs that are easier to understand. But then we're just still reading logs. Right. And so maybe you do have an automated tool, right, that scans your network or it's agent based. It'll tell you devices that are there on a layer two level. It can tell you if it's a switch, router, or the server is up or down, but it's not going to show you, right, like that DNS tunnel going between them. So, you know, every there's your solar winds, your Spiceworks, Intermapper, IP switch. Mm -hmm. um, Right, but those things it, it is very much focused on the on the network and, and IT side of the house, and hasn't really caught up with the needs that cyber practitioners actually have. You know, like I've been on like a lot of networks, right? Whether it's in the military, special ops, you know, working with cyber teams, you know, I, I've seen it all, right? Like I've seen companies that sell spy tools, right, with no firewall or basic security get shut down with ransomware. I've seen an agency that runs a global supply chain powering the entire U.S. military not have any network logging, right? Anyone can VPN in. And so it's just like people don't know their networks, right? Where are your critical assets? How are we protecting them? Like, where are the weak points? Well, FireEye, SolarWinds, Verizon, even these companies are getting popped because of something sitting on the network they forgot about. 
And that's how hackers win, right? Through what you can't see is happening. What you don't know is there. But the, the thing is, Gerald, on, on the side of physical security, right? We, we've come a long ways, right? It's been probably thousands of years of human history that we've had physical security. Mm-hmm. Anytime we want to keep something safe, whether it's gold or top secret facilities, there's always a ton of visibility on what's going on because, and we invest a lot of money to see it. Right now we have cameras and drones, satellites, you know, physical like warehouse inventories. And even for your health, right, at the micro level, right, doctors have x-ray, CT scans, MRIs. All these tools let them see deep inside of your body so they can do a better job versus compare that to the doctor's great granddad who he only had a hacksaw and some whiskey. And if you think about something like colonial pipeline mm-hmm. it's basically what we do right we just kind of amputate that part of the network right <laughs> to stop the bleeding or stop the you know the disease um right so you know none of that exists in cybersecurity right now um and you know when it comes to enterprise security software i mean there's a lot of paywalls and sales demos that you have to go through and that's why practitioners <laughs> you end up building your own tools and, and methods instead Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things you said, too, is, you know, obviously having poor cyber hygiene at the organization level, but where are your critical assets? And I I don't want to go too far down this road, but like another challenge that I see is organizations, like if you ask someone at an organization, what are the critical applications you'll get a different answer depending on who you ask, right? They, they might all agree it's that like on one application, but they'll, you'll get a host of things or where's your critical data? And, you know, first of all, even if they tell you the applications that they think are critical to your, to your point, Ricky, like it might not just be on one single database. This isn't like 1994 where it's an access database on Gene's computer, right? It, it's a much more complicated involved system. Um, one of the things that you said that um, got me thinking, so everything you have said so far got me positioned that cyber cartography was a defensive skill. But now you've said a couple of things that make me think it's offensive. So I guess, can you kind of talk about like the the function or the role of cyber cartography uh, in the context of offensive ops versus contrasted with the uh, defensive ops? Sure. Um, and, you know, I love I love Kung Fu movies. I love, you know, the Matrix, all of that. And if you think about it, it's there's two sides of the same coin, right? Uh, if you know how to throw a punch, it can mm-hmm. be defensive and offensive at the same time. So people forget that tools like InMap were originally system administration tools for, for network uh, troubleshooting purposes. And then we just repurposed it for, for offensive purposes to do scanning and, and recon, um, only you're doing it on other people's networks. And so if you apply offensive tools such as, you know, a Metasploit or a Cobalt Strike and you have a guy who's pen testing your own systems, that's kind of defensive in nature or purple teaming, right? Where you're, you're, you're having this nice OODA loop that's, that's driving your, your blue team. Now, if you take your blue team right methods of maybe tapping a network, monitoring, collecting logs and really understanding everything that's happening and what are the patterns of life on the network right throughout for, for, for a day, for a week, for a month, what are all the users there? What are all the file types that are going across the wire, right? 
who who goes home or leaves work early? Where is the uh, you know the SharePoint or the internal mm-hmm. portal that handles HR benefits and pay? If you know that as a defender, right, you can you can defend properly. But now imagine how useful it would be knowing that as an offense person, right, as an attacker, mm-hmm. right. You can now actually plan, right, a lot of really sophisticated operations based off of knowing the network really, really well. And so you don't want to be caught. So loud scanning everything, it's it's basically a, a no no go for for you know as as a method. And so what do you do is you maybe have to collect some traffic, um, tap it silently wherever you are, and then analyze the traffic that's that's going across the network and uh, reverse engineer the map. So an offensive um, capacity cyber cartography looks looks like that. And the guys who are hands on keyboard at the tip of the spear, right, running their tools, like they'll love you if you can provide them um, like that map that's that's actually useful. That's really interesting the, the way you said it, because, again, I'm not an offensive security practitioner. I, I, I dabble, right, like everybody else in the industry. But when I think of attacking, you know, you get a foothold, maybe you, you elevate privileges, but then you're looking for the crown jewels. And I never once thought of the main network, you know, gateway as a crown jewel. But it sounds like that's what you're saying. I mean, find find the uh, the main point and then tap it passively. I mean, is is that is that essentially what you're saying? Is that's almost a crown jewel for a cyber cartographer? Yeah, I mean, if basically when you're doing um, any kind of reconnaissance in the real world, if you stand on your house, you're going to get a better picture on the roof than if you were down on the ground. Mm-hmm. The higher up you go, right, the more terrain you can see. Now you might not be able to see as at a super granular level, like, Hey, what, you know, are there ants on the ground? Um, but if you're flying, you know, way up high in the sky, you can see a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and so in the network cyberspace, if you will, uh, that high, the high ground, if you will, it tends to be, um, those assets that a lot of traffic traverses through. Um, mm-hmm. so like a domain controller, um, a core switch or core router, those types of things. Hmm. Very, very interesting. I like it. So on your YouTube channel, do you have any content or video? I mean, I've watched a couple of your videos, by the way, just as an aside, we can come back to this, but if you haven't seen Ricky's videos, and I'm not trying to uh, make you uncomfortable, but the, the man has a gift for telling stories. I don't know if you like have been classically trained in storytelling or something like that, but you, it, your videos, it's like watching like something on like, uh, you know, discovery channel or something like that. Like it's really <laughs> well done. Excellent B roll. Uh, so if, if you don't, if you haven't seen his channel, go to it. It's cyberspatial uh, on YouTube. In fact, I, let me just pull it up really quick. Cause I, cause I, I want people to find this Ricky because it's such a valuable um, it's such a valuable add to our community. So this, this is it right here, right? So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Look at this 1.5 million views. No big deal. 500,000. No big deal. Right? Like no big deal. So definitely check that out. So, but Ricky, are there any videos on your channel that associate with, you know, asset management or cyber cartography or any of that type of work? No, not really. Um, I've, I've kind of shied away from, from this, um, topic because it, it kind of, 
you know, is alludes to a past um, that, you know, I, I just knew a lot about and, and didn't want to talk much about, but I, I do want to share it and bring it to light in a, in a different way, um, kind of in, in the, what we're doing. And maybe we could talk about that later. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look at this. Like everybody in chats, uh, loving, loving it. Like I, I told them about cyberspatial just now, but apparently everybody's already subscribed. So, <laughs> so we've, we've got that going on. Uh, definitely well done. Um, so I, I guess, I, I, are you comfortable talking about, uh, like what you're, what you're working on before I kind of, I'd like to talk about some YouTube stuff too, but like, yeah, are you... yeah I mean, uh, we could do whatever order you want. Okay. Uh, well, if that's okay with you. So, um, Okay. What, like, what are you working on right now? Because I find it wildly fascinating and like a natural progression of, of kind of what we just identified as really awesome value, but difficult to do. Okay. So, so I got a buddy, right? He once told me, dude, I'm at a fortune 50 company with every cyber software under the sun, but I end up using the, my whiteboard, the command line and Excel because it lets me see things better. Mm -hmm. And that just, heartbreaking for me sometimes right because imagine you're going under surgery and then your doctor you know you watch him like draw a stick for your figure of you on on his whiteboard to use as a reference guide before putting you under the knife right yeah that, that, that's that, that's great to be the last thing you see before you pass out from the from the drugs yeah <laughs> you know imagine if people guarding gold vaults and secure facilities had to like type commands and read logs you know, filtering with grep or, you know, rows on a spreadsheet just to know what was going on. And so, you know, what we need in cybersecurity, I think, isn't really the next generation antivirus or analytics class platform. And there's a lot of them because, mm -hmm. you know, what people think their firewall does and what it actually does aren't, aren't, aren't the same thing. We've been really missing a way for people to visualize and describe and show others what's happening, you know, in the digital environment, you know, and hopefully, um, that's we're putting an end to that. So uh, for the past, I haven't been doing YouTube for for quite a long time now, right? I, I took a sabbatical. Everybody, I, I just disappeared. Um, you know, people are probably wondering like, where did Ricky go? Did, did he like just just get abducted or, or kidnapped or something? Um, <laughs> I, I basically been been in the dungeon in the lab, you know, uh, with my building a startup out of cyberspatial, and you know, co-founder. We have engineers. And what we're doing is we're building a network mapping tool that um, you know lets you take your network traffic, your logs, your configs, whatever it is you have, and and just map it and, and build an interactive map in seconds, right? Well, not, not just okay. from from layer one and up. So you know we're talking about just everything eventually being able to correlate everything from your facilities, right, all the way up to what's happening at the protocol level, right? We okay. Can... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, like all sorts of questions are coming to my mind. Keep, keep going. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. We can, we can fingerprint devices passively, build out multiple topologies, let you see them all on one screen, right? You'll be able to integrate this with your tools. So imagine you're in your Splunk, you see an IP address. Um, eventually we're going to probably come out with a browser plugin to highlight the IP address and get seen in the map you built. And we can uh, also detect over 4,000 protocols and applications. So, you know, it's not just like, hey, this thing's HTTP. I'm talking about like Spotify, World of Warcraft, you mm -hmm. know, specific VPN providers. And providing this to end user practitioners at a price point, people can actually afford. 
So don't call us for a demo. Don't call us for a quote so we can figure out how much money your company makes. Um, we're probably going to price it from, you know, somewhere around free to $50 a month and, and up, right? Depending yeah. on the, the utilization tier. So it's, it, I'm really excited about it because for too long, we don't ha we haven't had the right tools to, to do proper cartography and mapping. And, you know, we're really trying to make this uh, accessible for everyone. Um, the mission of our, you know, uh, company is to make cyberspace easy for people to see. And now that involves all of the GRC people, mm -hmm. the C-suite, all the people who are, aren't technical, right? You know, your, your figurative, um, your, your proverbial generals, right? They can now actually make good decisions faster because they can actually see what you're talking about. You know, imagine all of the times you were just like, oh man, I just wish this dude could read the command line or wish he could understand what IP address is, right? Yeah. But it's because they can't see it right in their heads, right? You have to show it to them. And so we're, we're making that available. So, okay. So a couple things here, like you say in generals uh, is such a perfect um, way for me to make the point that as soon as you start talking about it, right. My, my question is going to be like, what's the interface? Is it a fat client? Is it a SaaS based product? How do you, how do you interact with it? But before you do that, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking of that scene from star Wars where they have, R2-D2 has stolen the blueprints and they show mm -hmm. it to the, the rebels and like the Death Star comes up and it's rotating and then they have like here's the the chute in the little where you drop the bomb. Like it's a three-dimensional picture of the system, right? I mean, it doesn't go into the level of detail, data flows and stuff like that, but like that's exactly what I think of. And the generals are making battle plans based on basically just looking at this 3D model of the Death Star, right? So um, it, it really is powerful at eff effectively communicating basically to a different audience. It, it's fantastic. Yeah, we, we're, we're looking to build the collaboration plane, right, for um, cybersecurity, where you have all these users and making it real-time collaborative. You know, everybody who's working remotely can be on the same, right, sheet of paper, you mm -hmm. know, can be looking at the same you know, whiteboard, but it's not a whiteboard. Okay, so Ron Clark says, yes, VR CyberSec. I can't agree with Ron. Will there be a metaverse version of the <laughs> tool that I can get in on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now we're, we're, we're doing 2.5D. Uh, we'll eventually get there to the, the 3D, right? You know, we're kind of doing the crawl, walk, run first uh, kind of progression where, you know, let, let's make sure that we, we get things stable. We can support a lot of users and, and mm -hmm. actually make it, make it useful for, for people. Uh, but then eventually it's going to be, uh, it's, it, yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of di different directions we, we can actually take it. Yeah. I, I think Disney will probably get there first, uh, with the VR thing of like life of a packet you put on the thing and then you, you know, you, you experience being a packet flying across the network, but pe people are lighting up with this, uh, this project, Ricky, um, you know, raspberry Pi here wants to see an example Josh is saying that if when it becomes available, he and I will make a video. So when I guess, you know, people are clamoring for it. When is it available? Yeah. So, I mean, we are looking to launch a private beta uh, sometime in the spring of this year. Uh, well, so... we're all we're all family here, Ricky. What, what does private beta mean? I mean, OK, so so <laughs> we're still ironing out a lot of the, the back end infrastructure stuff. And mm -hmm. we don't want to I mean, I, I'm fine. It, like it, 
things are crashing and people still want to use it, that's just a good thing. It means we built something valuable. Uh, mm -hmm. But I want to make sure that we iron out a lot of the bugs that we're able to, you know, really get a lot some user feedback from some trusted uh, insiders or, you know, friends and family first. But you know, when when you're uh, gonna uh, go out for for you know get dressed up to go out to town or something, you ask your wife or you ask whoever, hey, how do I look? Right? Yeah. Uh, just make sure you you don't look all all crazy and. The, um, soft opening yeah yeah and so what i'm really excited about is we're going to be able to do this completely passively right there's zero install zero download um so there's zero friction because imagine how hard it is trying to put an appliance on your network or to get authorization to you know there, there's devices you can't scan because because you're going to like knock them offline or people just don't want you scanning sensitive uh, systems um and so you know, there's no agents, no scanning. Really, we're, we're looking to make it like, hey, this is your cybersecurity camera that lets you start operating at cyber speed, not whiteboard speed. I love it. Um, uh, Brian Peak wants me to get a, a, a beta key and add it to the <laughs> raffle that we do every show. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I, I understand that you want to, um, you know, have the proverbial soft opening even before you like let some of the public get beta going because I, I agree with you. I don't know if this is your thinking, but you, you don't want it to be kind of the first taste to be kind of uh, different than what the final product is going to be. And then people have kind of a misconception of what the product is and how reliable it is. So it, when, when it does become more open, like open beta, if you will, how, how could people, you know, cause people be, might be watching this a month from now, two months from now, like how, how could someone find out if the, if the beta is open for, for them for public consumption yeah really easy um what you can do you just go to t the product's called telesir stands for telemetry seer okay if you go to telesir.com just put in your name you get a sign up form um basically it's like an engineer and me we have access to <laughs> to the stuff if you want to put in a burner email sure right and we're, we're not going <laughs> to sell your data or, or do anything bad with it right and we're, we're really focused on security as well um on, on our systems so for every single account, uh, we actually have, we'll have people's maps in its own database. So we're not putting everybody's stuff in one database. Um, and so we're looking at a lot of different ways to make sure that, hey, this is, this is basically the keys to the, to the kingdom, right? Your, mm -hmm. your network maps and that we're doing the right thing and making sure we're, we're, secure, you're, we're securing stuff hardcore without breaking functionality and convenience <laughs> for friend users. Yeah. Yeah. So with it, zero touch, zero install, I mean, I, this might be patent pending or something, but how are you collecting the telemetry to, to, to build the picture? Yeah. So, uh, w w I mean, you, you, we really have to rely on the users themselves to know where to collect data from. And a lot of okay. people, they already have Z clogs. They already have a tap point. Um, you can tap off your computer. Um, if you have a switch, you can do a span port, uh, tap off of there. Uh, and so that's that's really the the, the best way to to do it is mm -hmm. um, having just providing us whatever you have. Eventually, we'll be supporting additional data types. So um, we can do Cisco router configs, uh, switch configs down the road. You know, we want to support um, you know anything you have. Right? It, we can do in-map scans. Um, we want to be able to just hey take the and we actually don't keep any of the data. Uh, you give to us because it's it's uh, too much storage. So we just process <laughs> it, you know, help help you uh, map things out, and then mm -hmm. uh, we just throw it away. 
Yeah, that that's that is awesome. And and if you don't have Zeke in your environment, it might be you know this might be the the push that gets you to get Zeke in your environment because it it is a fantastic it's fantastic telemetry. It's 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 log files for security professionals. That's what Zeke is, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know we'll, we'll be able to eventually support all sorts of different types of logs. And even if you don't have Zeke or Snore or like some IDS, we'll probably be running some sensors to process uh, your network traffic for you and generate those alerts and mm-hmm. then uh, animate them in your map. So you don't have to read them anymore. You can just have a scrubbable timeline that is uh, that is like, oh, what happened over the weekend? Let me go back two days and, and scrub through for all the alerts and we, you can see them flash up in your map. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, I do have a question. Ross White uh, Chinnery did put a question in, but before we get to that, I I wanted to ask you, so like you have my telemetry and I've got this vision in my mind of like the the Death Star plans holographically presented, but like, like now what? I mean, is it, is it, is it, is it the intention for reference for people to say like, let me see your current network diagram or is the purpose and intent of this tool um, to see if bad stuff is happening and be able to identify like lateral movement visually and stuff like that. Like, like once you have yeah. what it is that you do, what do you do with it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the ultimate goal is to be, be your visual SIM, the, the thing that you spend the most time in. We want to own every single monitor in the sock, right? And if you don't have a second monitor, you're going to get a second monitor. You're going to want to just to have it full screen. Um, we're going to want it so that we can, uh, whatever tools you're using, you can actually see those identifiers get highlighted if you're using a SIM, if you're using, you know, Rita, whatever. We want to play nice with everyone. So your map becomes your, um, you can brain dump onto it. You don't have to think about things anymore. You can actually see what's connected to what and where they are. Um, and uh, being able to animate those, uh, that telemetry is also going to be really valuable. Where essentially, uh, the technology, you know, we, we've, developed kind of when I was in the military, um, you know, we've been able to just, just having a map that you can look at and having a lot of this stuff automated for you, we've been able to turn months into days, right? Three months of work by a full team. You know, we, we had people with, you know, good technology or, or, or something visual to work mm-hmm. with. People do more in, in just three days than what takes, it takes a full team three months. So you'll be able to save a ton of time it's going to be easy. You're going to be able to brief your boss at a glance, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine trying to get budget or funding approved. Hey, sir. Um, so this is what happened. Let me show you. And this is why we need money. So we have to invest here. And also, if you you know have vendors, you, you show them, hey, uh, where are we going to put this appliance? Or why do we need this appliance? Mm-hmm. So now you can actually make smart decisions because you have something that's updated, that's beautiful, that you can point to with your finger. Because right now there's nothing you can point to with your finger besides your your terminal. Yeah, I love I love the idea of a visual sim. I, I put it in chat. I shuddered. Like like f- the, the all the diagrams, everything in a knock or a sock that's visual is for guests and executives to walk by and see donut charts. That looks cool. Like that. No sock analyst is looking at the <laughs> eye candy to do their job, but a visual sim. That is not only cool looking, but incredibly useful. Like, I, I, I love that idea, Ricky. I'm really excited. Like, this kind of sounds like I don't want to, you know, go overboard, but it sounds kind of like 
paradigm shifting. Like no, no one's really doing anything like this. It's, it's just kind of a rehash of the same thing with like new, you know, new front end, new bells and whistles, nothing, nothing really too, too interesting like this. So, um, and Micah, Micah Babinski says he's used control F <laughs> he's <laughs> control F his way through a lot of Excel workbooks. This is a great use case. Um, so cool. Yeah. So, um, let me, um, let me, I want to drop the link in there one more time. It's Telesia, right? For yep. people to go to. Okay. We may have crashed your site, Ricky. Oh no. Um, so just, just saying, uh, <laughs> but you'll get a lot of people uh, going in there. Uh, any, anything else you want to say about Telesia before I, I bring a, a question up from chat? Uh, no, I mean, just, uh, if the sites crash, I'll, I'll go call up one of the engineers. Oh, no, I, I was being, yeah. I was being playful. Like, okay. Uh, okay. You know, that we sent so many people at once to DOS it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm super excited. Um, Hey, it's not going to be pretty, uh, or, you know, it's going to be pretty, but it's going to be ugly at the same time. If you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying, uh, you know, when Twitch first came out, it was called Justin TV. And I don't know if you, <laughs> anybody remembers what that looked like. Um, Not at all. So yeah. we're we're working, we're moving fast. It's a, it's a work in progress, um, and so having all of you know the support of the community is is you know going to be really really helpful for for us because we're we're not looking to sell to you know big businesses, uh, big companies yet, right? We're trying to really empower the practitioner. Right. And focus on empowering that, you know, that end user, because a lot of the stuff that they sell commercially, they weren't built with end users or practitioners in mind. They they were really built with, uh, you know, whatever the, the the big companies needs, not to make your life better and not to make your life easier. And we want to kind of change that because, you know, at the end of the day, it's the end. It's the practitioner that makes the difference. Right. That that carries the network right on their back kind of like atlas <laughs> exactly and giving us the tools to, to do it better um not just better but faster uh is huge value all right so let's let's do the the um the drawing really quickly so real quick guys you know the score uh to enter the raffle for a six month try hack me subscription drop hashtag squad into chat and special shout out to i saw a bunch of you join the squad just today. Thank you, Michelle. Um, Jess Bishop, I saw you. Uh, Nicholas, a whole bunch of people. So drop hashtag squad to enter the raffle for a six-month try hack me. Now, while that's queuing up, Ricky, question for you. Ross asks, uh, he, struggle, he struggles with transposing concepts from the command line to a diagram, vice versa. What kind of methodology should he be learning to help with this? Yeah, uh, if you can script, if you can take that command line output and convert it into um like a format like graph ml or just anything that can be ingested into uh like a tool that's more suited for for visualization purposes um whether it's in multigo or or visio uh, even if it's turning those things into a csv that you can import and ingest that's going to kind of help um help you manage uh, command line output but hopefully once we launch you won't have to do that because <laughs> we'll do it for you <laughs> that's awesome all right. So at, while everybody's queuing up on there, um, so I wanted to talk to, uh, to you a little bit about um, YouTube, right? I know you haven't done YouTube in a while, but with a million videos on how, like the top skills in cybersecurity, uh, and so many people, the Simply Cyber community are, are trying to break in or they're in and they're trying to level up their career. 
I'm sure a million people reached out to you and you had a bunch of discussions and conversations. You know, I, what, what kind of key takeaways do you have when you're talking to people about, the, you know, the top skills to learn or the best way to approach it? Yeah, um, everybody learns differently. And so it's this, this won't apply for, for everyone. But I think having natural curiosity and kind of an exploratory mindset where you'll, you can start, learn, see different, because when you read Wikipedia, right, if you just go look up IP address, it's going to take you down a rabbit hole through all these different other topics that's related to an IP address. Uh, you start anywhere on Wikipedia and you can go down the rabbit hole, but it's really, really deep in cybersecurity. So having a natural um, curiosity to just go learn what things are, right? Like we talked about taxonomy, uh, cartography. Uh, there's also that taxonomy side of things, right? Where like, you know, Lewis and Clark, it wasn't just drawing sketches and mapping. It was like, oh, what is this animal? I've never seen it before. Let, let me mm -hmm. let me come up with a name or a, tax, uh, a system for describing these plants and you know, really kind of being scientific about it. And so as a new learner, uh, if you approach things with that mindset of kind of really having a methodical way to uh, understand, okay, MPLS, uh, what is this? It's just four letters to me. Let me go figure out, you know, that, that concept. And maybe I only get like an inch deep. Okay, let me pivot laterally and move on to something else and not just get stuck where I am. Because over time, as you get re-exposed to a lot of these concepts uh, over and over, um, it's going to make more and more sense, right? Like I didn't understand everything, you know, on my first go or second go or 10th go, right? It really takes a lot of years of just repeated exposure where you see, I mean, I'm still like under, like having new, a new understanding or mental shift of what an IP address is like today. Right. Like I'm constantly learning those like simple primitives that you just say, oh, yeah, I got it. It's easy. I, I think it was like, uh, you know, Stephen Hawking or, you know, he, he has a very different mental image of what gr the word gravity means than mm -hmm. w what I think gravity means. Um, right. And being able to have that mental image and explain it to your mother right, or explain it to someone who's, who doesn't have a, who, who doesn't know computers very well. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of where you're trying to uh, get to in your learning process. Um, I'm actually working on a series called um, The Apprentice, where I actually have taken in an apprentice and I, I've been uh, coaching and, and tutoring him for, for a, a while now in cybersecurity. And we're going to do a series about it. A lot of uh, these videos, it's kind of like teaching you. It's very uh, teacher uh, centric and, con and content centric where it's like the teacher is going to teach you this content and you're just going to absorb it. Um, rather with the apprentice, um, what I'm doing is, you know, once we, we talk about some, whatever topics he's curious about, and then I assign him assignments to go learn. For instance, he got fished at work. I think his um, man, he's a geologist by the way. So mm -hmm. not cybersecurity background at all. He, uh, he got fished at work. His manager forwarded him in a phishing email. Um, he clicked on it. And then we ended up having to help him change every single email and password because he was reusing the same password for everything. And then so that opens up the door about like, okay, what's phishing? How, how do I fish? What are all the psych, what's the psychology behind it? You know, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And I gave him the assignment of uh, he had to write, a, send a phishing email to me, right? Man, fish me. 
And, uh, you know, I won't spoil kind of the details, but, you know, he got me really good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So is this going to be on Cyberspatial YouTube channel, this this series or? Yeah, it's still in production, um, but we're going to put the series out there. That way we can you can actually ship. We can actually uh, see or show like what that dynamic between the master and the apprentice kind of looks like. And it's not just I'm not a master, by the way. I really want to bring in um, other people from other fields who are real experts in their domains to yeah. kind of chime in. Right. Um, help help collaborate on this project. So oh. if anyone is interested in topics they'd like to see or they know people who want to kind of get involved, um, yeah, just get in touch. Be, be happy to, to chat. Dude, that, that is, that is awesome. That's going to be like, uh, you know, obviously your YouTube content, I've already like given you a back rub here about how good it is. Uh, this is a cool concept. I really, I really excited about it um, to, to see it. So like, do you have a rough idea of when it might publish? Uh, like, like summer, fall? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to also shoot for some time in the spring. Um, okay. You know, and so, yeah, I am, I am multi-tracking a lot of different projects at once. And so, um, well, yeah, I mean, you're just, dis uh, you're disrupting the cybersecurity industry, like also, so, you know, it's hard. <laughs> it, it is, you are a busy man. So, wow. Okay. Definitely going to check that out. Let, let's, let's draw, um, let's draw the, the winner for the try hack me six month, uh, um, membership here. Good luck to everybody. Hopefully you got it in. I know some of you don't enter because you already have try hack me's and that's fine. All right, let's get ready to go. Finally got the drum roll too. Good luck to everybody. All right, Randy Williams. Very nice. Hopefully you guys heard the sound effects today. Did that come through Ricky? Yep. All right. All right. I've had some problems on stream uh, a couple of weeks ago. They didn't come through and I had to do it all just analog with my voice. And uh, it was quite embarrassing. So Randy connect with me on discord and uh, I will get you what you need in order to claim that prize. So thank you. So, so Ricky continuing on the conversation of um, some very nice words from Saloni uh, continuing on the conversation about um you know, what's important and what's not. Another kind of hot topic that's always asked is uh, certifications, right? You, as I said in the intro, you've got CISP, you've got like seven or eight GX certs of various, various things along the way. Uh, professionally, you know, what, what is your take, I guess, on certifications for new people who are getting in, for current people who are already in? Yeah, um, I think certifications are valuable in the sense that they it's like a shot of structured knowledge, right? Put in front of you and it's ready to go and it's there for you to, to, to process and consume. And it can fill you in on a lot of like background stuff that you might not have known about. Uh, and so at the same time, books can do that too. So maybe hit up your library and just read a bu bunch of books and start practicing some um, things on your own uh, read the internet, read blogs, read books, familiarize yourself um, with those concepts. And then when you spend the money on the certification, it's going to be a lot of review and you're going to actually have a really good internalization process at that point. You're not going to go into a, some cert completely cold. You know, you retain about 20% of it and mm -hmm. then um, you get the certification. 
Um, now there's people who they go after the certifications because they're trying to look at getting a job. And I understand that's kind of how the, um, how the industry is set up currently, um, which I have my own, you know, feelings about that, but it's, uh, I'm, I don't hate on certifications. Um, but for me, it's been very much a kind of a background, um, a supplemental, um, learning process where people take a lot of information that's unstructured. They structure it in a curriculum or a certification and then provide it to you. Okay. Brendan has a question. I, I'm curious on your take uh, around uh, which is better research masters or taught masters. Now he he's from uh, the UK. So I'm not sure if that's one for one, but I think it might be practical versus, th you know, theoretical kind of research as far as applicability in uh, a cybersecurity career? Yeah. Um, I'm opinionated. Um, I, well, that's I what like, we do here. Yeah. <laughs> I like things that are um, practical in nature and, and very pragmatic. I like trial and error. Um, I, I did well in school, but I wasn't ever really, I didn't really like theory. Um, a lot of times you, you spend a lot of, uh, you interact with a lot of professors that they've spent a career teaching or um, maybe they do a lot of research and they, they haven't been, you know, out in the field, right. Getting their boots dirty, you know, slinging code, right. In the mm -hmm. cold server room. And there's a lot of wisdom and goodness that comes out of praxis, right. Out of real world stuff that um, I think is, is really hard to emulate or in, inside of a purely academic environment. And so, it's good to maybe bounce back between the two or do it at the same time. And, uh, but I, I would prefer something more applied and, and uh, practical. Yeah. John Tran said this on stream last week or two weeks ago, uh, you know, adjunct faculty, if you can, you know, seek out courses with adjunct faculty because they basically work in practice and they're just teaching as an additional uh, function, right? No, no disrespect against, career academics, because they are doing some research and stuff like that. But to your point, our industry changes so much so frequently that, you know, like you said, having dealt with an end user who, you know, does things that end users do or shadow IT uh, or any of that, it's, it's, it's the reality. You're never going to see that in a textbook. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, another question from Carrie here, let me, um, do you like, well, he, he wants to know if you like raspberry pies, uh, the, the little guys there. Yeah. I, I mean, you if want... you, uh, raspberry Pi is a great cheap way to start. Um, it, <laughs> you don't have to invest a ton in a, in a beefy computer or a server to, to start practicing. Uh, mm -hmm. if you, if you need a server or something, but if you do have a laptop already, uh, you know, some VMs can, can work just as well. If you're trying to focus more on the hardware side of things, um, you know, actually, because some people, they need to see it, touch it, feel it. It's like, okay, this is the Ethernet port. And this is how this specific Ethernet port interacts with the kernel, right? If mm -hmm. I put Linux or you know Debian on, on my Raspberry Pi, there's a much closer, like more intimate relationship. Whereas if you get a black shiny box, right? You have no idea what it looks like on the inside. Sometimes it's hard for people to learn that way. Yeah. I think it's an awesome platform. I'm constantly overwriting it with different, you know, labs. Like it's a vulnerability scanner this week. I'm about to make a Cali Dropbox uh, next week. So, 
It's, it's definitely good. Um, Ricky, let me, we're almost up at time here, but I want to give you an opportunity to take the floor, share whatever you'd like with, uh, with our community today and, you know, let you know that I sincerely appreciate you coming on, spending time talking to us about really uh, a, a really interesting kind of forward thinking concept of a visual sim basically at the end of the day. So I, I sincerely appreciate it. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I just always feel really humbled um, by a lot of the people out there that, you know, um, we're able to reach, right, including you, Gerald, and just being, mm -hmm. you know, it takes a lot of uh, time um, to kind of produce content and, and to do stuff, um, but that just pales in comparison to just the amount of, um, you know, people we're able to touch and, and, and reach. And I just want to thank everybody, right, for, for even giving, giving us your time in in watching right in participating and engaging because you could be doing something else uh you know right now and you know the fact that you choose to take part of your day to just listen in it's really really humbling and i want to just say thank you um sometimes i feel guilty about uh not being as consistent with producing content um i, I get a lot of anxiety with uh, going on to youtube uh or I just, you know, feeling, oh man, I, cause I, I tend not to be very good multitasker. I can only focus on one thing at a time. Um, but I promise I'm going to be, um, coming back online, uh, hopefully soon. And, uh, I, yeah, I just always want to bring something really incredible and remarkable to share, uh, with you guys. And so sign up at telusier.com if you haven't done so already, you're going to be on, you're going to want to be on the launch list, uh, I think we're, we're pretty generous with, um, you know, who we're going to bring on the, the beta. So sign up today. Yeah. Well, you can, you can, you'll see my email address stuck in there, uh, right after this. So, uh, consider it plus one at least. So thank you so much, Ricky. I'll send you off to the green room now. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Yeah, of course. All right, everybody. So, you know, the routine, uh, we had an awesome guest. Definitely uh, check out that Teleseer. Uh, I'm going to get on that. If you get on it, then we can both be on it. And then we can talk in discord about our experiences and how awesome it is. Wanted to tease next week's episode, guys, we are bringing on a, a dear friend of mine, Erica McDuffie. She's a director over at a very large uh, professional services company. She crushes it. And she is an expert in GRC governance, risk compliance. And I know that we throw love to the GRC people. Cause that's, that's what I love. So she's going to come in. We're going to talk her about how, how to dominate the GRC space, whether it's skills, whether it's approach, whether it's conversations, ways to navigate the space, um, compliance standards to care about ones to focus on ones not to waste your time on. Right. Erica is going to be joining us and I'm, I'm super, super excited. So you're not going to want to miss that. Right. You can, you can hit the reminder, you can hit the bell, whatever you want. Just, just, you're not, you're not going to want to miss this one. Okay. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Simply Cyber. Thank you all so much. I saw a couple questions at the end that we didn't have time for. Uh, sincerely, uh, unfortunate that we couldn't. So if you come over to Discord and drop it in, we will definitely uh, answer your questions over there. That's going to do it for this week's episode, everybody. Until next time, stay secure.